Um, so I just said to her, like, because um, we were having really good chats in our sessions. Is it Sarah, you mean? Yeah. What, what, what is your podcast about first? So we called it Rise and Grind. Rise we, and always, we always have it over coffee. And have um, you started? <laughs> is this is just casually started. Literally just, <coughs> just go, I'm going to sound check. Do you want me to put the pop mic down? No, no, I think you're doing it without the pop. You're fine. Cool. Um, yeah, sorry. So we would like have really good conversations in our PT sessions. And I was just like, why aren't we recording this? Yeah. So um, we just, we get together like once every, like on a Sunday, every three or four weeks, bulk record like three or four episodes. Oh, bulk. And then you bank them, right? Yeah. yeah. So we recorded four the first time. We've got uh, another two that we've just done. And then record more in future and how do you know okay this is going to be a split of my episode as in because you sat there and you had a long conversation yeah so how do you know okay this is going to be one episode uh, this okay. is going to be right. two so, so they are self-contained episodes in that, in that sense so like we'll I'll get my whiteboard out and I'll write what we're talking about over this episode we'll then have a little bit of a break pour some more coffee oh. rewrite the right board go again you plan everything. She does. That's why that's, I don't do it. <laughs> the podcast wouldn't exist without her, mate. Like she's taking, she's like allowed me to do it. Basically, that's amazing. Yeah, it's class. So it it helps then for someone to sit there, plan it out, and then all you have to do is just come and read the. How, how does that work? Because usually with this podcast isn't planned. Yeah. Um, I know I've recorded like how she just started record. We might fizz into it. We might not. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to stop and say, okay, let's start now. <laughs> um, so how, how does that even work? Like, what does she even plan out? Like, does she say, okay, this is what we're going to speak about? Yeah, so we'll have like an overriding theme to the episode. Then we'll plot points that we want to hit within that. And then we'll just make it conversational from there. That was the difference. When, so when I did the podcast with Harry, we were quite meticulous. And it, I think it came across as a little bit scripted at times. Yeah. Because we were so... We'd thought about it too much almost. Whereas with Sarah, um, it'll just be like, right, this is the this is like the the micro topic within the the broad the macro topic, and um, we'll just sort of riff off that, give each other's like two cents on it, and then it kind of it segues through really nicely without having to f- sort of be like, right, and now we're going to talk about this. And yeah, yeah, I get it. It's too scripted then. If you yeah, do. exactly. And I always like one. Of the, so obviously you've got like so if you look at Joe Rogan. Yeah, super conversational, goes for hours and it's just like chilling, right? Tim Ferriss, kind of conversational, but he's definitely got like a list of questions that he wants to hit, right? Oh yeah, definitely. So yeah. I wanted to sort of find a mid ground where you still get, so you still have intention within the episode. And I, Rogan probably does this anyway, but he's just a master of his art. So he yeah, just, he's been doing for years, he, man. He just, he, it just sounds like conversation, um, and I guess that's what we're looking for. Yeah. Okay. Give me an example of a macro topic and a micro topic from your podcast. So, the first two episodes were just about get to knows, like just get to know me and uh, <laughs> the pink with me and Sarah, and uh, we like it would be like we'd have like some proper questions, so a little bit about our background, give us some context to how we know each other, and then some SAF questions like what superhero would you be and stuff. Um, what superhero? Yeah. Yeah. Because obviously you guys are CrossFit guys, so you all look like superheroes. No, <laughs> but that's that's what we're going for. Sarah, so Sarah, so the other, the other really cool thing is we're at really contrasting sides of the journey. So Sarah is just starting off in her like training. She used to be really overweight, um, got no musculature at all, um, really, and 
uh, is in essence a beginner. Yeah. But she's got like, a great mindset um, and has lost a load of weight just through nutritional changes and sort of, I guess, conventional training in the sense of doing like cardio, right? And um, and then you've got obviously me who has a more sort of in-depth knowledge around the subject. Um, so it works quite well because Sarah in effect plays that role of, uh, you know, needing needing to to understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then it forces me to no, the, just work the, out how I'm communicating it. The questions that will pop up in her mind mm-hmm. as a beginner, yeah. you won't even think of those questions because yeah. you're so far into your right. CrossFit life or even your, your fitness life. Yeah. Um, so it's amazing to have someone who's complete basic and when they ask you the question, you're like, you re- whoa, you really want me to answer that? Oh, yeah. okay, let's let's go into that. And then you'll be able to just flood out knowledge mm. that will help her and in turn help your listeners. Yeah, but she's so, great as well because she, so you, she has tracked so many different metrics within like uh, this sort of journey that she's been on, whether it's um, tracking calories, tracking her weight, whatever. She's got a lot of like anecdotal stuff that yeah. she can t- also talk about. Um, which helps because it's not just me saying stuff that in effect could be fairly dull to listen to. You've kind of got a real life, um, I guess it's a, a, a real life journey story, whatever you want to call it, to follow. Yeah, I mean, I guess people will come in, tune in on episode one and two and they'll see some stats. Wait, how's the coffee on? Coffee is good, actually. It's not too bad. Yeah. Freshly grounded. F- full-bodied. <laughs> full-bodied. <laughs> you know what, what I could do? Just give you a copy of this. This could be like one of your side episodes to rise and grow. Well, I figured you release it first. You know what? You can take it. And then we'll, And then once you've released it, then I'll I'll do like a secondary thing. Because ah. it's, it's your show, bro. Like a, like a repost. Like a repost. Like re- <laughs> exactly. But, and also it's banked episode for me yeah <laughs> um am i allowed to ask you questions yeah 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 let's do it well obviously before um do, do you want to listen to the sound as well see see what you think because you've got some experience in podcasts and we are peaking do you, do you know how to look at the bars and stuff no because like, we don't actually have anything this fancy, so, fancy. Yeah, we're just using a, a yeti mic uh so i don't really know yeah hold on let me oh mate that was that resonated that did when you put that down oh yeah because it's got the strings so I guess that probably happened when you put your coffee on there as well. Oh yeah, because I mean, it's like a steel table, is it? Yeah. So basically, basically what happens is we usually have um, oh, this is nice, man. Like a bouncer. Yeah. It's it's connected to the mic where the mic connects to the stand. So any vibrations that come from the table, or the floor, or even the traffic, anything it goes to the table because it's a hard surface. Yeah. It cancels out all vibration. Class. Um, but for this, obviously, I don't I can't afford that. I've spent all my money on this. So <laughs> is that expensive? It was when I bought it, but now you can pick them up for around 200, 150, 300, depending what Amazon's saying. Mad. How long is this up for one of these? So what I've got is I've got two mics, which are like 15 pounds each, mm. cheap mics. Um, the leads are nothing fancy. They're called No Bull. It's off Amazon. Again, they're like five or six pounds. So nothing fancy there. The The stands come with the pop shield. Again, they're like 10 pound. So all of this, just the mic, the stand, the pop shield. Yeah. And the leads were around thirty pound. Class. Um, per set, so sixty quid. You've already got two kind yeah, of. Yeah. In, I've got another set, so we can have three people. The money goes into this. This is um a H six recorder. Um, you can plug in four people, um, into that simultaneously, and you can even put like a mic, at the top of it, and it will take ambient sounds. 
you would probably want to take ambient sounds for two reasons. One is you can then cancel them out. So like, you know, the cars yeah, are going yeah. past. You can identify it, yeah. I can, yeah, I can. In, in post-editing and sound design, I can offset it. So when we're talking, it, it's cancelled that. Mm. Um, but usually you don't want to do that because even though now you've got the headphones and you can hear everything that's going to go in, but when it actually puts it on the SD card, it processes it a little bit. Right. So it's a little bit more cleaner. Nice. Yeah. Mate, it sounds great. Um, yeah, with ours, uh, it's like a multi-directional mic. Yeah, so it's the Yeti. The Yeti. Uh, and uh, it works quite well because we just record in my lounge and I live on I live in in an estate so it's not so yeah. it's not too much like through traffic um, but it, it can be quite sensitive um, and it's just something that I'd bought ye- so in 2015 yeah I registered a company a company's house, house called All Day Media yeah which was meant to uh, be like a, a production house for all, all different types of media and um I bought the I bought the mic because I wanted to. I did start recording podcasts at the time, similarly to you in terms of talking to like uh, entrepreneurs, but with artists. That's and, sick. Um, I recorded. I must have recorded like six episodes, and then uh, started doing my PT and kind of fell by yeah. the wayside. Yeah. I, I like that. I didn't. So I know when I first met you, you had some entrepreneurial kind of things going on. Yeah. Um, like even that registering domain names. Normal people don't do that. Yeah. Like normal people just go to the nine to five. Every time they get an idea, the best thing they'll probably do is make a note of it to kind of realize that, okay, this is my idea. I might do it one day or they'll speak about it to their friends. Mm-hmm. But actually going and booking the domain name and committing to pay six pounds a year to an idea. It, it's nothing, but it's like a step forward. Yeah. I, I remember registering my first domain name. It was limelighttuition.co.uk. Nice. This was back when I was doing A-levels. 2009 I think how old are you? 27 okay so this was 2009 Limelight Tuition I was young man and all I wanted to do was literally have a tuition company mm-hmm. to get some money like £30 per hour for tuition yeah um, but I just wanted to profit off the commissions mm-hmm. rather than going and teaching myself yeah so I registered the domain name printed some leaflets because I've learned graphic design and I found <laughs> I found a website called instantprint.co.uk nice. or instantprint.com and they'll print leaflets for so cheap so as a teenager I'm thinking wow I'm having my own brand and so I splashed so much money on this and it worked I had one tutor under yeah. my name and I had, and she had like two kind of um, students yeah and, and that's it I made like £10 of the whole thing revenue which equated like 20 pound loss but it was <laughs> it was okay it was a good experience absolutely mate and um i think a lot of people you know i guess um a lot of people in particular now sort of 10 years later that are young are sort of having that mentality right and doing that stuff that was a lot rarer when we were that age Oh yeah, man, no one's going to go on. No 17-year-old were, were buying domain names at my age. Yeah. And when I bumped into Shopify, it was literally in year one or year two. Yeah. I was like, wow, I can make a website for £25 a month. Oh my God. Because I was still calling up other website companies. Yeah. This was later on. It wasn't for Limelight Tuition. I didn't sell anything for that. It was for like an Arabic brand that I was building. So... I was calling up these companies and they're quoting yeah. me five grand, 10 grand for an e-commerce store. I was like, wow. <laughs> and one of them, I don't know, she maybe liked my ambition or something, like 17, 18 year old calling up, yeah. getting a quote for 10 grand. Obviously, my dad's not even going to afford that. So she must have had some empathy for me. Yeah. And she said, you know, have, have you heard of something called Shopify? It's not something custom. 
but it's amazing store just go on it shopify.com shopify.com um and and take it from there and it was great man yeah shopify is sick class man so this is my podcast but i'm the one answering most of the questions so. <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> all right it's a conversation mate i'm interested in you as uh, likewise yeah man thanks so much um should we let's check it's sounding really good, by the way. Sounds good, right? Yeah. Uh, what do you think about the pop? Because I feel like it's coming in your way while you're trying to look. Um, is it any better now? Is it any better now? So that it doesn't come in the way. Oh, yeah. That'd be cool. 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 Oh. The, uh, the things have dropped. <laughs> Do you want it higher and then it will angle down to me? Uh, I just need to tighten this. Oh, okay. Because you're a professional anyway, so I don't think <laughs> you're going to breathe into the mic. That's what you think. <laughs> Am I allowed to keep these on? Yeah, you can keep them on if you want. Sounds class in my head. It does, it does. It's like you're getting a, a preview of the podcast. Yeah. Live. Live. <laughs> <laughs> so you had a question for me? Yeah. Um, so I was just going to ask about, um, well, I guess what's changed since we last met up, which is actually like last summer, right? Yeah. It's been a while. Oh man, that went quick. Trust me. Last year. Because I think I was still at Pure Gym, was I? No, I think I'd you had left. Oh, okay. And you were doing your own personal brand. Right, yeah. Um, and you were already doing something and because you were getting towards gaming yeah this was before I met my partners um, yeah. Hamza Afridi and Moaz Shah surname's the same and it's not my brother um, not a blood brother but brother in business let's say um, I met them in the exact same place where I met you um, Broadway Plaza we had a coffee and similarly to you keeping away from the carbs and Harry as well like Harry wasn't indulging in my nachos <laughs> whatsoever uh, i met hamza there yeah hamza didn't have anything either i was shocked like every single business person i meet is keeping away from nachos maybe i'm doing something wrong <laughs> um but yeah we, i had a nice chat with harry i think it was just not harry i mean hamza, hamza. Yeah. a few kind of weeks after i met you mm -hmm. and he's also a gamer um he likes games but there was something more in common with us it was more of a business meeting I reached out to Hamza because I wanted a mentor in the social media agency world, which is slightly different to social media. I can go in, create an Instagram account, get it to 10K, get it to making sales pretty quickly. I can, I can do that on a daily basis. But what I can't do is run a social media agency that does the same thing for others mm. i can't you've got a crossfit company you you you're you're your pa and your pt sorry pa you're a, <laughs> P, you're a pt um you know how do i then take your instagram i can give you advice i can give you consultation but imagine you said to me i said here's three grand can you just go and do it for me i wouldn't know what to do next mm what kind of passwords do I need from you how do I set up Facebook business manager how do you have control over how much of your money I'm spending all of these little things yeah. I had no idea about um, so I reached out to Hamza because Hamza was someone who ran a really successful campaign um, as an agency um, and I reached out to him and I said look you smashed it on this project 
I just want to pick your brain. I will shadow you. Um, you know, let's let's do something together. Surprisingly, he said, "I'm actually moving away from this company, and I'm thinking of making something for myself on my own with my best friend, who's Moaz." So then the conversation kind of changed into how should we make an agency together? Yeah. Where, well, Hamza brings Hamza and Moaz actually. Moaz is um, a marketer for a seven-figure company already. Mm-hmm. He's the in-house marketer. He wants to step away from that. I want to step away from. Well, I don't want to step away from anything. I just wanted some more guidance. Yeah. And Hamza wanted to step away from his dad's social media agency. So we had a conversation, and since we met, that's all I've been kind of busy with making yeah. and setting up a social media agency. Class. Called. Ah, uh, called Huddle Duck. Um, Huddle Duck, as in huddle, as in, you know, when before uh, in American football. Yeah, yeah I know. It, you know, yeah. you huddle up, and you know, it's a hype. It's a team that kind of shows that we're a team, and duck because it's like the funniest, friendliest kind of animal. <laughs> like you know, it can a duck. You know, I just saw this today. A duck can fly, it can swim, and it can walk. And it's probably the only animal that's n- never gonna say, "I wish I could swim," or "I wish I could fly," or "I wish I could walk." That's mad, isn't it? It can do everything. Yeah. So I didn't think about this at the time. I just realized that yesterday. But it'd be nice <laughs> to kind of add it to about us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what, what about walk, yourself? Walk, swim, fly. It can. Our duck can walk. It can swim, and it can fly. That could be like the sub, the subheading. I could, you know, it could. We can walk. We can swim, and we can fly because yeah. we're the ducks. <laughs> what about yourself like what, what have you been doing since last summer a lot so moved my business down to Black Country Barbell which is an independent gym in Starridge um, that probably replicates uh, like a strength and conditioning facility more so than a global gym and so what that sort of means in terms of real terms is when you walk in there you, the first thing you see isn't rows of treadmills it's rows of squat racks and barbells and metal more so than machine um and um, sort of got very busy very quickly down there um, through the last four, four to five months of last year. The last five, yeah, probably from September to the end of the year was just absolutely rammed. Um, doing PT, also coaching out of other facilities. So I was running like classic like LBTs and boot camps at other places. Also got a like a permanent position at CrossFit Wolverhampton um, just on a Monday morning because okay. that's where I wanted to take my business. As that, like a PT, like you go in and train? As a coach, so I, as a coach. So I take actual CrossFit classes, so up to 12 people at a time delivering oh, CrossFit sessions. And um, in that period, I also did my CrossFit level one, which is the qualification you need to do to be able to coach in a CrossFit facility. Did my gymnastics qualification. Travelled a little bit, went to Santorini for a week. And you've been busy. Went to Amsterdam. Uh, yeah. That's just shad- cast a shadow on what I did. I just set up a company. I started a new business as well. Oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> How are you doing this? So I know there's a direct link between your body being fit um, with your mind being fit. And obviously with your mind in optimal state, you can do more things and motivate yourself to do more things. Mm. Do you see that as well? Like, Because obviously... You know, you're active, you're mm-hmm. fit. Obviously, I'll say you look like Superman, but you're going to be humble about that. Um, so you're active. Do you see that in your life where your body is directly linking towards your mind being more active as well? Yeah. So I think because I, I guess I have a increased awareness of how I'm feeling internally. Um, 
I can tell how that impacts me in terms of my energy on a day-to-day basis in terms of what I can give um, in terms of like how well recovered I am and then how that affects my work um, my relationships etc um, yeah I think but I think that probably comes down from ultimately the work that I do when I'm training um, and but I guess as well the work that I do actual work right yeah. like because I obviously work with individuals and um, get to understand sort of how things affect them and then interpret that into myself does that make sense yeah I get it I guess when you're coaching you can see is that what you mean when yeah. you're coaching people yeah, yeah. yeah? And they're probably beginning or they're struggling with something and you realise oh okay you're having self-awareness by being aware on your students mm-hmm. I guess is that what you're trying to say yeah in essence yeah so yeah um, so I guess as an external uh, influence in terms of my own awareness of of my health so for example over those four, those last sort of three to four months of the year I definitely like got close to burnout because I was working like so most so Monday through Friday predominantly I'm starting work no later than half six in the morning oh my God. and I'm finishing usually between eight and nine thirty on the night consistently every day wait that's insane how do you do that because okay it's easy to do that if you have a job right you're a a marketing director in a company mm-hmm. where your boss requires you to come in at like 8 a.m. and your yeah. commute is two hours so you have to wake up at 5 a.m. start your work and because again you commute you're coming home at silly o'clock yeah um, but how do you do that as someone who's self-employed yeah so I guess in essence um, it's partly down to when I'm in a PT session or if I'm coaching a class that's what I get paid for right that's where the real that's where the, the 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 value is, if you like. But then there's all the other stuff as well, so such as commuting, such as um, writing sessions, uh, such as going on courses and improving my own understanding, such as doing my own marketing. Um, you know, uh, also at the end of last year, started this the vlog, um, and also the podcast. That all takes a demand on time and obviously resource um, in terms of finances. Um, so. I guess it's a multitude of that. I also have to do shifts for BCB. That's my rent payment, if you like. I okay. work, work for them for free. Get to use the space for free. Ah, um, okay. So that's the demand on my time. Um, then the, you have like the dead space. So for example, this morning, I only took two classes at CrossFit Wolves. Uh, one at 6am, one at 9.30. So then you've got that time in between where you still have to be at the gym. You still have to be up and at a facility. You might not be doing anything then obviously you can choose whether you're going to fill that with something that's actually going to be beneficial or not. Yeah, well, what do you fill it with? Training. <laughs> so that, well, it, it just makes sense. Like, um, But th- that's dependent on the day <laughs> in terms of where I am. Um, yeah. What about going forward in, in your business? Are you looking to change anything from your timetable? Yes. Yeah? What, what, what changes would you make? Well, I want to, I want to, I guess like everyone does, reduce the amount of hours that they work and make more money. Yeah, well, um, well, that's the dream. <laughs> so the, how I'm actualizing that is I've just started a company with a, another PT called Integrity Over Everything. And the emphasis of this com- uh, company is delivering specifically gymnastics and weightlifting-based programs. Um, when I reference weightlifting, I mean Olympic weightlifting. So those are the two lifts that are tested in the Olympics. You've got your snatch, which is 
in essence getting a bar from the ground to overhead in a single move and then wow. you have clean and jerk which is uh ground to overhead but you, you go from ground to shoulder first and then shoulder to overhead um so delivering specific programming on those two and delivering seminars and workshops nationally um uh, and facilitating working people with people that way so you would change how would you change your kind of timetable so you hit those goals so well the plan is to be at a point where the return from those seminars um, and workshops and programming is such that I can then reduce the amount of hours that I'm actually PTing for example okay um, so it's not necessarily about making vastly more money it might even be about making the same amount of money but for less time less time yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and because the programs will be delivered online again there's no requirement for me to be in a particular place at a particular time to deliver that that's something I can do autonomously from home okay working from home is amazing I do everything at home like mm. even if I've had offices in the past yeah offices I've only had one office in the past um, where I'd go in I'd pay the rent um, mm. you'd get your space to yourself yeah and I think it's really important for people to do that, to go and pay for your privacy. Mm-hmm. So you realize how much is worth. Yeah. Um, you pay for it. It's like five grand a year, mm-hmm. which isn't that much mm-hmm. if, for rent. In, when you're talking about rent, you get a really nice place in the custard factory. Um, and yeah, your productivity goes through the roof. Once you learn that kind of, it's, it's, it's a skill, it's a mental skill. When you learn, okay, I get time and I can convert it into productivity yeah then you can move away and then you should then be able to just put that into everywhere else yeah, yeah. so i work from home i've got my family here like my house isn't massive but we've got like seven people living here yeah and we've got like three toilets and stuff and yeah. different rooms and it, it does get busy so i can't find a room mm-hmm. where i get complete silence apart from this one with yeah. a side garage um i'm converting this into a tall studio yeah class. um but the benefit of working from home is as a creative, you get that creative freedom. Mm-hmm. So I'll be doing like watching TV or just talking to my mom or anything. And then I'll get ideas right. where you wouldn't necessarily get that while in you're an office, in you're an not, office. You're not having that stimulus. You're just completely distracted yeah. all the time. You don't have, you can't listen to your own thoughts. I guess in an office, it's um, it's a, a sort of a form of um, sensory deprivation, right? Because you're eliminating those external forces that could also potentially be uh, lead to unproductive habits and behaviors. Yeah, oh, sorry. I mean, you don't in an office where you you it's like a water tank. Yeah. You have none of your senses. Um, you're alone in an office. Then it's good for creativity. You can learn how to do that and then bring it to the public's place. Yeah. But what you can't do is work in a nine-to-five and get that creative and then come home yeah. and then try to put that art into works my work is all art mm-hmm. it's not graphic design it's like motion graphics mm-hmm. so i have to make charts and come up with new ways to um, market my clients kind of campaign yeah. it's different things like for example something we're coming up with right now is in a menu because with restaurants mm-hmm. how do we make a menu more innovative like mm. it's 2020 now mm. Menus been the same since forever. Yeah. So I thought, okay, what about NFC technology in menus? Every restaurant has like four or five featured kind of um, items on, on the on the list. Yeah. You just have full page just for that thing. And then at the bottom, you can literally 
take your phone, which is most phones have the NFC technology, same technology as contactless card payments. Yeah, yeah. Bring it close and it'll pop up a video on your phone on their IGTV. Yeah. It'll go to the IGTV and you can see the whole video of that being prepared right, and what it looks like yeah. in a video because photos can't do justice. Right. You want to see the steam coming off and you know yeah. everything. And most of these restaurants, they have um, videos of their future products anyway because they get videographers to come in. Mm-hmm. Um, so all you have to do is just link that and yeah. make your menu more creative. You'll yeah. get so many more followers mm. especially especially if you're in an area where you have lots of footfall yeah most of the restaurants are i i find it you know talking about restaurants in particular like as such uh, so you, with food it's like sensory overload right you've got the taste the smells and the the vision of it yeah right um and it's i don't know how you can fuck that up really because yeah um it's just um you know f- there's a reason that you've got food porn, right? It's just, you have to be making food look pretty bad to, to not sell it, right? Yeah, of course. But you'd be shocked, man. Like, <laughs> you sometimes it's the opposite. They make food look a little bit too good. So then uh, you look at social fake. media, you come in, mm. you, you're expecting an amazing looking chicken fillet burger with some yeah, yeah. lemon slice on the side and everything. <laughs> and you literally get a chip shop burger yeah. with buns from Asda. You know, it's it's not great. No. So it works both ways. Right. You do need f- food to look good, but you need it to be realistic at the yeah. same time. Um, that's why going in and coming up with creative ways mm-hmm. to sell food, but without overselling it through yeah. just good photography and videography. Yeah, nice. Um, so that's that's what I'm trying to say. I mean, with marketing, it's also an art. It's not something where you can just push abas in laboriously and get results. Mm. It's you have to sit down, trust me, and think about branding and, yeah. and selling. And that's one thing that I think I've um, struggled with because because of the demands on on my time to to put too much effort into myself. So I just employed and outsourced that in a, in a sense through doing the vlog getting a videographer in to come and do that i don't have to worry about editing it and making it look good because he's going to do that for me oh you've got you've got one of those guys they're they're amazing man so we're in london at the end of this month for four days he's coming with me we're going to literally just get as much content as possible sarah the girl that i do the podcast with is also going to be there we're going to record a load of stuff um so i've got within my client base people that are very enthusiastic about my brand and um i've just thought like so for example a guy keeps badgering me about t-shirts i don't have the, the capacity within my week to be making t-shirts and designing them and stuff so i just said to him you want t-shirts find me some at this price this is a rough like br- a brief for you to go away with sort it out he goes and does that all of a sudden there's t-shirts for everyone sarah I, I wanted to do a podcast for ages i don't have the capacity or time in my day to do it uh, or sorry to to make it good anyway so sarah if you don't mind um you want to do it as well you go away plan it we'll sit down and record it we'll find space to to bulk record um you take the lead on it in essence and um you know i'll find a way of rewarding that and and then again i benefit she benefits personal brand grows that's sarah's word goes out there because that is a new thing that we need you have photographers you have videographers yeah but you don't have audio people yeah as readily available yeah and people like sarah like i'm I'm running a social media agency yeah we need people like sarah sarah's also doing sort of my websites for me as well there you go like, she, you, she's great <laughs> you get these it geeks and i hope she doesn't take offense to me calling her that i take pride in being called an it geek because we can do 
basically everything yeah. at a certain level. Master of none. But we do have something like, I'm guessing for Sarah, she's got a special interest in audio and sound design. So she's taking that up a notch. Yeah. Or even just managing and planning and producing a podcast. Yeah, I think that side of things she's great. So she actually works for Starling Bank. Whoa. She was one of the first 150 employees, I think I'm right in saying that, uh, at the bank. Whoa, okay. um, when it was just in its infancy. And obviously now it's huge. Uh, rivaled probably only by Monzo in terms of fintech, right? Um, so that's that's been what she's been doing in, in terms of work. But she commutes to London from where we live in the Midlands. So that's potentially, uh, it's about four hours of commuting a day. A lot of dead time. Wow. So I, I kind of convinced her that she could use that time more productively rather than just sort of uh, being spaced out on the train. Yeah. She could actually like do something with it, which is where she's kind of come up with this side hustle for the web- website stuff. Um, but also it's she's used that time productively for our podcasts and life admin and all sorts. That's amazing, man. Yeah. How, how do you even... So the videographer, is that... So I've this got, is Tom, yeah. His name's Tom. Right, Tom. Hi, Tom. I'm going to listen to this. <laughs> he, he listened? Yeah. yeah listened. So he's also like... He's a diamond, right? We need videographers yeah. who are willing to come and not follow us around mm. as people, but partner up with us. So yeah. they have content... With videographers, the problem is, yeah, you want to go out and practice mm-hmm. your, your craft, but what do you flip and record? Mm. And you've given him that. You've given him unlimited kind of content to record. Yeah. Um, he's going to get better and better every time he starts to shoot uh, and yeah. edit. He is, yeah. He is, yeah. Is that is that your stuff on your Instagram? And stuff? So, yeah, so we've done like some short Instagram clips, 60-second sort of stuff, and then we've also done the long-form YouTube. We've got six episodes out on YouTube. Uh, so is that start- for the podcast or? Nah, so this is a separate thing. So we started this series called Road to... So my PT business is called Rise Fitness. We started this vlog series called Road to Rise. And uh, the idea was initially... Um, so initially, it's kind of evolved over time. So initially, it was going to be more of like a weekly, bi-weekly episode uh, where I would go around and train at different places, do different sessions and use it as a way of being informative, but also like having some entertainment value. Um, Because of, like I said, the sort of constraints on my time after the first five episodes, that became really difficult. Yeah. Basically, I I went to Santorini at the end of September. I got back. We didn't record again until mid-November where we went down to London to do an episode. Um, and so as a result now what we're doing is we're kind of batch recording and doing like series in effect so the plan is to roughly do like a five episode mini series bulk record it over a weekend or a week or something and then uh, release every quarter five episodes Um, and each one will sort of have a theme so we're going to CrossFit competition at the end of the month called Strength and Depth which is at the Excel Centre in London um, we've planned to do a load of different things whilst we're down there um, and that in essence will be its own series that makes sense that's sick you've got your little team um, a team is great man you've got to be around people that are amazing um, so you travelled and after you travel you came back and you didn't record anything till November mm. I've got that problem maybe it's not the same problem but I've got a problem where if I travel it messes up my flow <laughs> completely. Mm. Like before I, I went to Portugal and then literally came back for a day, then went to the Middle East because my fa- some of my family is in the Middle East. Literally, it was a whole kind of three or four weeks of traveling. Yeah. Before that, I was getting up early, meditating, 
exercising. My diet was on point. I was literally in a good place. Yeah. When traveled, came back, went again, came back, and it's destroyed. I'm still struggling to kind of mm. get back to that peak yeah, performance. Yeah. Is that the same thing for you, or yeah. is that is there a different reason why you stopped after traveling? Um, no, literally, it was so. It was a case of when we got back up. When I got back from traveling, I just. Um, as well, I guess I wanted to change the direction of, of the vlogs as well. So it was kind of getting to a point where they're in essence were just becoming training montages of me. And whilst that gives me a lot of like cool content from my own personal brand uh, on Instagram, it's not necessarily, there's not as much value in it for the audience. For the audience. Okay. So I w wanted to have a, just a bit of a reset and rethink in terms of how I structured it. But really, so at the start of last year, I was working at Pure Gym um and to be honest i wasn't that busy i was bleeding clients at the start of the year i was running uh sort of close to the bone in terms of um the finances of the business and stuff and um but equally my my i had a lot of free time so things like training nutrition sleep were a lot better um and then because i wanted to get, take that week off in september and meant working a lot in the week weeks preceding it yeah um, and then when I got back, I had a, it just kind of uh, started where it left off. So it was just in, like very, very busy as well. And um, I think um, we were talking a, a little bit about um, where you were at in terms of that peak of, of everything in your lifestyle sort of being yeah. where you, roughly where you want it. And I, I haven't regained that since probably July, August was the last time I felt that. It's not related to your travel though, right? It's just, you just taking a step down. Not, I mean, it was, it was partly related to the travel in the sense that it affected the quantity and volume of training that I could do or sort of uh, amount of time that I had freely available to commit to other lifestyle things. Um, and then after that, um, I don't know, I guess things just, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird situation because in a way, things are the best they've ever been like in terms of my in real terms in terms of my business in terms of the amount of money that I'm making um but there's sacrifices being made in terms of the other side of my lifestyle obviously we talked about the hours that I'm up and working for like that has a, a big impact on social life sleep um don't have time to like meal prep so you, the kind of quality of my meals is down don't have as much time to train so my training's down oh i things know how like that, that feels yeah. yeah it's like so training for you is for uh, for me it would be making my own person brand instagram videos yeah which got me loads of followers man like i did put a lot of research and effort into that yeah um and i was learning along the way because the more you teach the more you learn yeah so every time i posted something my knowledge of that <laughs> kind of industry would go up i remember it yeah it's still it's still up but because now i've got clients and stuff my own nutrition, let's say, has gone down. So yeah. I'm not posting as much. Yeah. My f own fitness is gone. Like I'm not training my own kind of knowledge on, mm -hmm. on Instagram as much. I'm just literally using my knowledge that I have already and using it for my clients right. just to get money from them. It should be, I, I should be able to just make content, but it's just, see, I tell people to have a personal brand because you, you then become an anchor. Mm -hmm. Um, if you want to go make a milkshake company, you can do that, right? You'll have a thousand customers before you even start because people are following your journey. Mm -hmm. If you were then want to have 
an Arabic clothing brand, you can go and do that. Then you want to stop and just start a social media agency, you can then do that. With everything, your personal brand is the anchor in the middle. Yeah. And you can always branch off mm-hmm. from there. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's hard to build a personal brand, like really, really hard. Mm. Because you never see the benefits of it. You never do unless you actually sit down and think, okay, this client, where did I get it from? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was from my personal brand. Yeah. And everything kind of links to your personal brand, which is like right. a CV. And as well, though, some relationships will bear fruit earlier than others, right? It's, uh, you know, I've had people that have out of the blue, never met them before, but because they know I'm a PT, ask for PT. I've got people that I've known for three years and they've known me in the because of PT. Yeah. Find only, another PT. Only, <laughs> <laughs> only just asking me for sessions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just taken that long to ever build that credibility or for them to enter that stage in their life where uh, they need my help. Yeah. yeah. Um, but as well, I think during that time as well, they see your own development and, and whether if they resonate with that or not. Yeah, definitely, man. For a PT, you can't be a chubby PT. I could never pull off. Well, being... I was. Uh, oh, you were, yeah, you got it. Do you but, remember, yeah. But people see growth. Yeah. Like I can literally have thirty k followers on Instagram, yeah. and tell people I'm great at Instagram, and they'll follow me. They'll probably grow from my tips and tricks. But if they then see my account, and it's dropped to like ten k, they're gonna yeah. say, oh, "What's going on here?" Yeah, yeah. I need to continue to grow mm. to be able to show off that certification and authority that yeah, I'll help you grow. Do you find it hard to give up um, control of that? Control so, of what? So time. you could potentially employ someone else to keep that going. You've got all the knowledge in terms of what you expect from them, but in essence, you'd have to give up potentially the control of the overall quality and standard of of the brand that you've spent time building up. Yeah, I, I can't with with personal brands. There's only a certain amount of outsourcing you can do. Yeah, I've got my video guy. <clears throat> I've got my video guy mm-hmm. who does. I'll literally record my audio, Yeah. send him the audio file, yeah. and he'll do everything from there, including posting it. Mm-hmm. And all I really have to do is send him the audio, figure out the caption, and it's done. Like, I don't even have to look at it. Yeah. Um, but I still need to sit down and research. I still need to be reading books. Yeah. And with books, you read them once and you forget. You're going to have to go and read them again. So these books that you saw earlier, I'm rereading most of them. Mm-hmm. And by the time I get to the last thing in my library, I've forgotten the first one. So I'm then rereading again. Yeah. And then only then can I then make stuff. Yeah. I can never outsource research. Yeah. Um, Do you I, not think, um, just on the book topic, that that's actually one of the overriding skills that's developed through revision when you're in school? Because I used to resent revision because I, I'd be like, I, I would resent going over the same thing multiple times just yeah. to try and remember it for an exam. Yeah. However like you just mentioned there's infinite value in going back over what you've already been through yeah i mean i hate revision and at school i trained myself to read something once and keep it inside me for as long as possible because i promised myself that i would never revise yeah it worked <laughs> it worked for a set because I'm, I'm more of a maths guy so i did a level maths yeah, physics yeah. and it there's not much revision going in there. It's more practice. You can't revise a quadratic equation. Yeah, yeah. You're going to have to practice it a thousand times for then when it comes in the paper, you're like, oh yeah, this is easy. Mm. So for me, it's more practice. That's interesting. Um, I didn't do English or, I mean, I did chemistry. You need to revise for that, but I dropped out when I went to the yeah. A-levels. A 
Um, I didn't revise. Um, even with books, I try to read the paragraph once yeah. properly and try to retain as much knowledge as yeah, possible. Yeah, yeah. So then if I get lazy, what happens is I read it and then I just go back and read it again. Because yeah, you're like, oh, what I just read. It's, I'm, I've literally, literally, I've been on autopilot reading yeah. and I, it's been four pages. I'm like, what the hell was the last four pages about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I have to go reread it. Yeah. So the only way to get past that is to just throw yourself in the deep end. Mm. It works both ways. But yeah, school is sick. Like, I tell people, okay, the qualifications you get from school aren't that important, but the process mm. is amazing. Yeah. People say, oh, when am I ever going to use algebra in real life? You're not going to use algebra in real life, but the part of your brain that's getting worked out while you're doing all these mm. algebra equations, mm. you're using your front cortex. I'm, I'm not, I, I probably said that completely wrong. Your frontal cortex, that's right? Yeah. Um, and that's the muscle. In, in your, you, you work out that muscle. So in real life, when you get a problem where your best friends cheated on your other gay best friend and now you're stuck, this is a problem you got to fix. How the hell do you fix that? Yeah. Well, if you've been really good at problem solving, i.e. really good at maths, you can plug that in real life and you'll fix the problems mm. without even knowing mm. why you're doing it. I only realized later that I'll be able to, like my family will come to me, my wife would ask me, this is a problem, can you help me? And I'll be able to see the different options and stuff and I'll tell her these are the options and she'll appreciate the help, mm. but she won't be able to see them because she wasn't a maths person in school. Yeah, Maths is like amazing. Yeah, that's interesting. I wouldn't have called myself like a maths person at all. Um, I think I'm quite good at getting perspective on situations and advising people. Um, so, like, my background is acting. Yeah. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, I went to drama school. Nice. Uh, and did a, a bit of stuff with that. But um, as a result, I feel like that's given me a good understanding of sort of how humans behave. Yeah, okay. Um, and in essence um you kind of you learn the art of storytelling um that, that's what being an actor is right you tell yeah. it, you tell them you communicate a story effectively or not um <laughs> is depending on your quality right um so, so but i think as a result because you see commonalities all the time you get you get quite good at seeing that getting that perspective on situations yeah, that's nice because what you've just said contradicts to what I said about maths. You've been able to become a good problem solver without being a maths person. Um, I'd argue against that. I'd say, look, you've still learned maths. Yeah. But you've done it through a different way and everyone learns through different avenues. Well, you said something really interesting about um, the practice of you talking about it in reference to quadratic equations. Yeah. And I never saw it as that when I was in school, which is why I hated it so much. Like, <laughs> Everyone I think, hates it. But it, in essence, that transfers really well into what I do. When people are coming into train, oftentimes people get quite down if they can't do things or if they're not strong enough to do a certain movement, for example. But what they're missing the point of is that you're there to practice. Like, you're not going to get a paycheck for it. Yeah. You don't need to be able to do it at that particular point. Potentially, if you're training for an, an actual event, which 90% of, 98% of people aren't, um, then you don't need to worry about it. You're there to practice and get better. Like, I went to, I tried hot yoga for the first time. What is that? Hot yoga. Okay, I know so, yoga. I don't know hot yoga. Hot yoga. So, basically, um, so it was over in Bromsgrove at this place called Hot Pod Yoga. And in, in essence, it's a big tent that's inflated. And they have a load of the Dyson fans in that are blowing hot air around, uh, in essence, to obviously elevate the temperature. Um, and we did what was called a nurturing flow, 
which is quite like restorative exercises in the sense that you're holding a pose for a long time. Okay. The idea in the heat is that the muscles are uh, looser because they're already warm, mm -hmm. so they're more relaxed. So it allows you to sort of attain a, a better position than you might be able to do in a cold room. Um, but I'm not very flexible. Um, and I find myself getting really frustrated and, and sort of angry over the fact that I wasn't very good. So I just brought myself back to that reminder that I'm there to get better. Um, this is a practice. This isn't, I don't need to be good it's at this. It's not competition. Yeah. And like, I don't, I don't have any need to be good at this at this particular moment. Obviously it would be beneficial for me long term if I can get better at it. But, um, and as a result, enjoyed it a lot more because I changed my, my mindset around it. Um, and maybe if I'd have done that when I was at school with maths and treated it yeah. as practice, but I guess because because everything's graded, pass or fail. Oh yeah, man. You sort of you get this, it's disincentivizing, right? If you're constantly failing. Yeah, of course. And you know, in school, you can never have that mentality that I don't need to be good at this right now. Mm -hmm. It's just practice because you kind of do teachers force you to be good at that right now, yeah. or else you gain an E and you're going to be shamed upon. I don't know how your your family or your your parents and stuff deal with that but in like in my family you can't get a D and get away with it yeah D is not even it's not a letter um, it, the alphabet just goes to the A and nothing after that <laughs> A star A, a star A and that's it <laughs> those are the two alphabets of the English language um, but no, it, it, I know what you mean school it's still like whether you like it or not they make you go through that process mm. and when you're younger you don't have wisdom you no. can't be a wise young kid. You can be a wise old man, but you never have that wisdom. And yeah. sometimes I appreciate when I look back, my parents or my friends or my teachers or even the situation I'm in, it felt forceful at the time. But yeah, now I just thank everyone, like my teachers and everyone. Mm. I met my business teacher in um, Tesco uh, last year sometime. And I was telling him what I'm doing and uh, he wasn't happy. I'll tell you why he wasn't happy. I was telling him, look, I've got this company, I'm doing this, this is my turnover. Yeah. And I was got another company and I'm doing this and this is my turnover here. And at that time, I had a milkshake company um, and our turnover was amazing. It was only like three months of starting mm. and it was sick. I had five staff. Yeah. Like my own staff. Yeah. And I was in my early 20s. Um, and my business teacher wasn't happy. Why? Because in business education at school, I got kicked out. So when I told him all of this, he took it as I was rubbing it in. And I kind of was. I said, look, you don't need business education to be able to do business properly. Yeah. So, yeah, that happened. But apart from that, everything, yeah. every other teacher I'm thankful for. Well, I think that that kind of moves quite well, though, onto the educational system. And I think in terms of how you're tested. So I always thought a more effective test for a business qualification would be at the start of the course, you start a business in essence a mock business oh, yeah. in essence and then during the process of the course you're kind of exposed um, potentially through like almost like a monopoly board game style of um, chance yeah. to different things that could happen to your business and you have to learn how to manage it and pivot and, and move based on, on what affects your individual business and then at the end of it you're tested on on, on that in, in essence on how you've how you've moved as a business and yeah. also it's much more practical like than reading the textbook my business yeah so I also did so I did a, right this is me wanting to be an actor I did drama 
business, politics, and economics. Okay. And because um, everyone always was saying you need to have a backup. Um, I was interested in politics at the time. Is this um, A-levels? Or yeah, A-levels, yeah, yeah, sorry. And um, I was interested in politics at the time, which is why I chose politics. And then I thought the business um, would interplay with the acting in the sense of you, you self-employed. Um, but and I went to a place in Starbridge called King Ed's, which is meant to be really good. Yeah, uh, King Ed's, man. It's the best school in... Right, apparently, right. But like the business classes were, here's your textbook, read out of it. Your economics oh, classes yeah. were... Here's your textbook, read out of it. And I really liked in politics, uh, we, on a Friday, we'd choose a topic from the week and debate it. And I always thought actually like a really good way to get tested in politics rather than having to write an exam style answer would actually to be like a structured planned debate. And you, you, you sort of then assessed on your qualities as someone that can present uh, an idea forward. Because um, I, partly because I'm left-handed, it sounds like an excuse, but like I really struggled in exams because I'd because I write in in a really it's sort of like sort of bad form way. Definitely I get cramp. I get cramp, yeah. and, and I can't write fast enough to get my thoughts down. Ah, so I end okay. up run, running out of time, um, and get get very frustrated. But also, I didn't really want to revise, so that's the reason <laughs> I didn't do as well. But if I'd have wanted to, I couldn't because of my hand. Because um, <laughs> of my hand. Um, <laughs> But yeah, um, no, I always thought like, and like in drama, like why have we got written exams? Like it's a practical subject. Like you don't- Dra- Drama has written exams? Yeah, yeah. You say, well, one. So you kind of assessed over four, three practical, one written. And I'm, I'm like, but still, why, why written, right? Unless you, unless you have an interest in potentially like writing for theater. But even then that's probably more applicable to an English qualification than it is, uh, you know, a drama qualification. So. I always thought each subject should be subjective in how it's tested rather than sort of blanket exam style uh, questions. And uh, you're probably going to be much better prepared for for life in general if if that was how things were tested. So, you know, one of the things that's always talked about, isn't it, in terms of maths is like, why aren't you taught to budget? Why aren't you taught how to do your taxes and all that stuff? Yeah. Facts. Why aren't you? I mean... You do kind of learn that, but that's later on. Um, yeah. When you done your maths GCSE, then you do your maths A levels, then you do your maths kind of degree. Mm. Then after that, you go into um, an accounting kind of qualification. Right, but only if you're interested. Only if you're interested, yeah. Right. And then if you're talking about like home economics or food tech, like the foods that you're taught to cook and not anything that's actually going to lead to good nutritional habits. You're not talking talk about macronutrients. Right. You're not taught how to look after yourself in terms of... Oh my God, you're right. That's yeah. a good question. Uh, I mean, I wish I had a bit more research on this topic and then I could probably talk more about it. I do have my opinions. Like, I wish school business, definitely, man, that is an amazing idea. Yeah. You should definitely have a more practical approach to business. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess the pros and cons in, in business GCSE, there's so many different avenues to business. Like, mm. you can be, you still consider the business if you're a GP, a private GP, yeah. uh, a private practitioner medicine or if you're on a pharmacy or if you become a a dancer in a club or you're self-employed you're still a business Mm. so you got so many kind of different ways to go into business but everything helps everything right as someone that you know yourself that's opened multiple different businesses and different avenues i'm sure what the lessons that you're learning one have informed the next have informed the next 100 percent. so even if at the start of that business qualification 
they someone turned to me and said right you're going to have a farm shop which i have no interest in having i could still learn a lot from being taken through the process of owning that farm that theoretical farm shop if you yeah, like yeah, yeah. in terms of how i run my pt business yeah I mean, I guess, you know what? People will never be happy. You know, you can walk on water and people will say, oh, he's walking water. Look at him. Because it's because he can't swim. You know, <laughs> people, will, people will be like that. Yeah. And it's same, like, even if our academic system changed and we had, like, a really good MP or someone higher up in politics came in and put his or her foot down and got something done with our education, we could literally pick the system ourselves Five years later, you'll have another political group that will say, mm. oh, this system's wrong. Yeah. Assad and Alex came up with the worst system. <laughs> no, they wouldn't, mate. They'd be about it, don't worry. <laughs> um, but, but the thing is, in essence now, with exams, it's memory recall, right? That's and you only have to learn it for the exam. You're not learning it oh, for yeah, life. Like right. Your preparation is just for a day, which so many factors could have a play in. It's one of the things that I think actually probably the best uh, in terms of how you tested is is language right because you you do written you have to listen and you have to speak it and you get those three elements to it and I think um, you, you're like that makes sense because those are the three ways that I'm going to be interpreting the language I'm going to ever read it I'm going to hear it I'm going to say it so I don't need to be tested in in any other way yeah no that, that's fine um but with anything the only problem i see is it's fine to do exams it's fine to have a really good memory recall mm -hmm. um i excel at exams like you ask, you tell me to pick up a book and you're going to test me on it i will get high marks <laughs> um because i'm just like i'm genetically or just the way i've been gone through from my early years mm. my, my brain has developed into that gear that i can do memory recall really yeah. great and you can train in that but what i don't like is then to use the grade that you get and put like a permanent stamp on it because mm. your A-level grades mean a lot for the rest of your life yeah. if you plan to stick to your academic life. Yeah. Forever. Like right. you, what, you're only like what, 16, 17 and 18 when you're doing your, when you're mm. starting your A-level life, 16 to 18, you literally, you're three years there, two years there is that for the rest of your life. Mm. And you have to be good at memory recall at that point, mm -hmm. um, which is yeah. But you know what? In regards to the to the um, the business that you're talking about, there is a game, uh, more like a simulation that I've been playing. Yeah, it's called Sim Companies. And oh yeah, it, yeah, it is sick. Yeah, I've learned so much from that game or simulation that I use in real life business right now. Yeah, like I couldn't. I could write an article. I started writing an article on it, and I got to like four thousand words. Mm. And I'm just going back and forth and rearranging it because I've just got so much to to say yeah. about what I've learned from this game. Yeah. A few things I've learned is a pipeline, right? You start off, when you start the game, you start off with like a value, company value of zero. You get a free farm and you get a free grocery store. And you're worth like, once you kind of build it, you're worth 50K, then you're worth 100K, your business, company value. The whole game is filled with about three or four thousand real mm. people mm. and the economy that the developer has kind of simulated is amazing like yeah. the prices go up and down depending on real time how these real four thousand people are trading yeah um the profit per hour you make is more important and it goes deep into like for example you can make this h6 recorder you can make it for 100 pounds and you probably want to sell it for 500 pounds because your profit then is 400 pounds 
would you want to do that or would you rather make it for 100 pounds and sell it for 200 pounds but sell thousands and thousands of them mm. which one is better to do what do you think i think there's a there's a ratio that you got to find you got to yeah. do a bit of both yeah and this algorithm i'm i'm there opening with like a spreadsheet and i'm working out okay i'm selling oranges what's the best price mm. that's that the second thing the best thing i've learned mm. is negotiation mm. you're trying to sell oranges to real people who's mm. who who going to profit from it but then you're going back and forth you're discussing prices and it's just that's just the two things i've learned and this game is amazing yeah it's sick yeah that's class um i think it, i think it might be tim ferris that talks about how there's always a market for the very very cheap and the very very premium and yeah. actually if you're trying to force them in the middle that's where you're struggling more okay um, oh, sorry. I was just talking about the game, right? Where yeah, but it's applicable, right? But in real life, you're right, man. There's you can like, sell. Look, at, look like, at the iPhone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You right. have some very, very cheap phones, and it's like it's funny because the iPhone is super successful, but so it's a it's, premium product. Like it's so like, expensive. They've got best of both worlds. The iPhone so is expensive. Yeah. How are they occupied that space where they're not only got like a, you know a ridiculous market share, but they're also a really premium product. I guess that proved him Ferris wrong, didn't it? That's the juice there. <laughs> but but the essence is, is you like you know. So for me, I could sell you an individualized, personalized, bespoke like online program that is just for you at one hundred and fifty pound a month, or I could send a generic plan that's not applicable to you as an individual, but you could follow for a tenner a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah, premium is always the way to go. I mean, even with my Arabic clothing brand. Obviously, I can speak better now. Hopefully, none of my buyers are listening. But I'd get something for like one pound, yeah, and I'd purposely put the profits up to like forty pounds. <laughs> and sometimes I had the same thing up for nineteen pounds. No one bought it; it was not selling. And I put the price up because go. I thought, you know, I'm fed up with this product. Yeah, I've got ten left. Mm-hmm. I'll sell it for forty quid. I'll make four hundred pounds revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, I won't get more. But suddenly, it just starts to sell more and more. Just because I put the price up, and people are like, well, you know what? I can gift this to someone because it's forty pound. Yeah. I've got. A, I want to give something to my mum. I don't want to give her a twenty pound thing. I want to give her a forty pound thing. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? And as well, we as uh, customers sort of have a part to play in terms of accepting that that's the value of an item as well. Oh yeah. Um, like like you just said, like uh, well, there's a reason people buy hundred hundred pound t-shirts, right? Because they think because it's a hundred pound, it's worth more. But a trap star, I saw their shirts. Literally, you can get the exact same without the branding yeah. for five pound. Yeah, it's mad. Like from a warehouse down the road. It's not even abroad. You can get it from Birmingham. Yeah. In industrial unit. Um, but yeah, man, this chat's been great. I'm sorry, I I don't know how long you wanted um, to do this. Yeah, no. I, I, to be fair, I've got some PT to do in a bit. Yeah, that's fine. I've got some work to do as well. Yeah. How um, do you usually end your podcasts? So you um, would just do a bit of uh, self promotion and, uh, and and then uh, and then uh, say tata really. Well, how do you normally end? Them? I literally say, all right, thanks for the good time, and um, I don't know. I don't even know how to end them. Everyone ends in a different way. Yeah. But I think I should make a norm to end them with self promotion. So yeah, go. Like, how do people find you? Cool. 
Well, you can find me um, on Instagram at aparkinson underscore UK. Um, you can find the company that I was talking about earlier at Integrity Over Everything. And you can listen to the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, it's called Rise and Grind. Rise and, I'm going to find that tonight and listen to it. Thanks, bro. And then you can watch us on YouTube, which is Road to Rise. Thanks so much. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Sorted. How do you think? How was that? I enjoyed it, mate. Um... Thank you.